Hello, and thank you for joining me for a special tee-up episode for my Chelan County Sheriff's candidate opinion piece. As I sat down to work on the piece, I realized it was going to be way too big to fit in the time frame I wanted and that people would actually watch, so I decided to break it up. So I'm calling this part one of my opinion piece because it really leads into my next episode on the 2022 Chelan County general election candidates. This episode is going to deal with the documented harassment and bullying of its own deputies by the Chelan County Sheriff's Office under the questionable leadership of two Chelan County Sheriffs, including the current Sheriff, Brian Burnett. First, we need to talk about a couple of terms that'll be coming up in this episode as I detail the timeline. The first is the Brady List. The Brady List is a list of names that a prosecutor uses of law enforcement officers, Leos, who are deemed untrustworthy. The court decision that started this standard practice was Brady v. Maryland. The point of this is twofold. If there is known evidence that could clear the defendant of a crime, it must be brought forward. For example, if someone is on trial for murder and a law enforcement officer or prosecutor knows there are 20 witnesses that alibi the defendant's time during the attack, then the Leo or prosecutor must turn that evidence, the witnesses, over to the applicable people like the defense counsel. The second prong of this is that Leos are compelled to turn in other Leos for withholding evidence or other unethical behavior. The point is, if you fail to do these things, your name can end up on the Brady list in a prosecutor's office. However, that is not exactly how this list is used nationally. In fact, there is no regulatory system for the list or any kind of guidelines when placing a name on that list. This is important. So it can be, and often is, used as a retaliatory tool by prosecutors or by police administrators. Being placed on the list can be career ending for a Leo, and it's not always for the right reasons. The next term is Loudermill. This is a pre-termination hearing for a public employee to defend themselves against claims that would, could lead to their termination. They must be given oral or written notice as to why they are being terminated, and evidence must be given at that time as well. Even in Washington state, which for every other person not employed by the public is at-will employment. That meaning that for any reason, you can be fired by your employer and they don't actually have to give you a reason. Now, we all know about the thin blue line. We see enough flags around Wenatchee and the surrounding areas to know them. It's them, the Leos, versus us, the civilians. And you don't cross that line as a Leo, even when you know your bad apple, comrade in arms, may not be acting ethically. We also know not all cops, right? Of course not, but it's uncomfortably too many, which is why a certain saying cropped up after the death of George Floyd. The timeline of abuse I'm about to detail that includes promotions, harassment, and nonsense that has gone on at the Chelan County Sheriff's Office for the last 20 years is based on local and national 
news articles, interviews, social media posts, and other easily public and verifiable information. I'll attach the entire timeline I've put together, and if anyone watching has something to add, please let me know. I myself conducted a short interview with Jennifer Tyler, May 21st of this year, and was shocked by her experience as a woman in law enforcement. I say woman in law enforcement, female, and minority in the department to highlight a disparity, and because that was how Jennifer referred to herself. I've been sitting on my interview with Jen Tyler because I wanted to watch as events unfolded during the 2022 election and because I needed to verify some of the information. Her experience is heavily documented in court and arbitration documents, as well as witnesses and her union representatives. So we'll begin the timeline with the year that Jennifer Tyler joined law enforcement at 19 years old in 1995. It's at this point that I'm going to issue a content warning for mentions of sexual assault, rape, harassment, bullying, suicide, misogyny, and trauma. Some of these experiences I'm covering today are very harmful and hard to hear, but they are real life events, easily verified. As always, I'll have my sources in the description and on my website. As Tyler began her journey in law enforcement, it was apparent very quickly that it was a good old boys club, where the sentiment was women were neither wanted nor needed in the line of duty. She was told by her peers that women existed in law enforcement to take out the garbage, and that was not a euphemism for criminals. They literally meant her job was to clean up after the men. She was told that she was the, quote, first female cop to look like a female, as she had long hair and leaned into her femininity. This, of course, did not affect her or change her ability to do her job. Burnett joined the Chelan County Sheriff's Office as a deputy in 1998. Sporting eight years of experience, Jennifer Tyler was hired on at the Custer County Sheriff's Department in Oklahoma as a deputy in 2003. On May 1st, 2003, as she was trying on uniform pants, she exited the dressing room to look in the long mirror. Her new boss, Custer County Sheriff Burgess, sticks his hand down the back of her pants, groping her butt, and told her and others present that she needed a smaller size because there was still room. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't funny. This was Tyler's first day on the job at the sheriff's office. There. But something she, as a minority in the department, and every other minority understands is when you stand up for yourself, you can get fired real quick. She knew that complaining, pushing back, or rightfully punching this old white man 23 years her senior in the face would mean she would lose her job and probably never be able to work in law enforcement again. The abuse continued over the next two years. In 2005, Deputy Tyler was asked to apply and completed a ride-along in Chelan County with the Sheriff's Office, CCSO, here. After the ride-along, she applied because she believed the CCSO would be a better working environment. She was hired August 2006 under Sheriff Harem and moved 2,000 miles with her daughter to escape the harassment from the Custer County Sheriff's Office, her peers there, and specifically Sheriff Burgess himself. 
when Deputy Tyler started with the CCSO under the leadership of Sheriff Harem, she thought she was beginning anew and with a set of peers and leadership different than in Oklahoma. And it was different in that no one laid a hand on her. But on day one, there were other difficulties, starting with her call sign. As you may know, all Leos have a call sign. It's usually a set of numbers and letters. In the CCSO, the call signs start with K and are followed by a couple of numbers. Deputy Tyler was told she could choose between two call signs, though there were others available. She was told she could only choose between two numbers, K63 and K69. Now, all consenting, 69 jokes aside, consider the actual choice before this brand new transfer who was still a minority in the department. K-63 was the call sign of a CCSO deputy that had committed suicide with his service weapon. K-69 is a number that was being used to demean Deputy Tyler without her consent. For those unaware, the number 69 is a well-known euphemistic joke for a sex act. Tyler could choose a number that would make her a joke in the CCSO, or she could choose to re-traumatize anyone on the force who might have been friends with the deputy that took his own life, as well as the deputy's mother who worked in juvenile services and would inevitably come across the call sign. Now, normally, when a deputy is killed in the line of duty, a call sign is retired. However, the CCSO at the time felt that suicide was not something reputable to die from, and so did not retire the call sign. They also thought it was prudent to keep the deputy's service weapon, which he used to end his life, in rotation as well. So, re-traumatize her fellow peers, or be the constant sex joke. Deputy Tyler chose K-63. She found out soon after that that the CCSO was being sued by a former female deputy, which was the underlying reason they sought out another woman to employ as a deputy, Tyler, in the CCSO in order to appear non-discriminatory. Spoiler alert, this is a pattern the CCSO continues under Sheriff Burnett. Fortunately, over those next few years, though, Jennifer Tyler was able to form genuine connections with her peers, despite the initial onboarding. At the time, the harassment does not escalate for her. In April of 2008, however, a wrench is thrown her way when Sheriff Burgess from Custer County, Oklahoma, is accused of raping inmates with a flashlight, other awful sexual assaults, and extreme abuses of power in his official capacity as sheriff there. The prosecution tracks down Tyler and asks her to testify. She knew this would be a career-ending move. Even if someone was absolutely guilty, if you testified against a fellow officer, you could lose your job, be subject to harassment, and so many other things. You don't cross the thin blue line unscathed. Tyler declined, but did help them find the key piece of evidence, the flashlight used by the sheriff to assault inmates. After two years at the Chelan County Sheriff's Office, Deputy Tyler had made friends and created a good working environment with them. The thin blue line was important to her, as it is to every Leo. 
As the case progressed, however, Tyler finds out that the key piece of evidence that she helped them find vanished out of the Custer County Sheriff's Office evidence room. Vanished out of the evidence room from the Sheriff's Office in Custer County. The prosecution, again, asked if Tyler would testify. They told her without the flashlight, Burgess would walk. And the 12 people he had raped and assaulted would find no justice. Because this is how our justice system works. If one respected old white man says he didn't do it, but 12 survivors who were directly under his care as inmates said he did, their voices don't matter. But another respected officer says she experienced similar behavior, then suddenly their voices are heard. Deputy Tyler was faced with another hard decision. If she testified, she risked her career. Everything she had built could wash away overnight. That's how solid the thin blue line is. Even if a fellow Leo is guilty and you know it, the culture is so pervasive that you would consider looking the other way to make sure your life isn't disrupted. When Tyler considered not testifying, she realized she would never be able to look at herself in the mirror again if she let a monster like Burgess walk free. So she agreed to testify quietly, hoping to salvage her career. She did not do news interviews. She did not want her name in the news. January 2009, Tyler quietly took leave and did not tell anyone what she was doing. Unfortunately, the day came when her name was heard in a news broadcast anyway, and a peer called her to see where she was. To see if the name of the woman testifying against her abuser and fellow Leo was indeed Tyler. Three months later, March 24th, 2009, after a grueling trial, former Custer County Sheriff Burgess is convicted of 13 felony accounts and gets 79 years in prison. The judicial system worked and got those women he raped and assaulted at least a little justice. But things were not rosy at home in Chelan County. When Tyler returned from leave after testifying, her work environment took a steep nosedive. Suddenly, those peer relationships she had fostered were cold and distant. No one would talk to her. She was being what people in law enforcement call shunned. It's what happens when a Leo does something that other Leos find inconsistent with their beliefs like testifying against a fellow Leo, no matter the circumstances. They didn't care. She had crossed that thin blue line, and she would pay for it. A common retaliation for crossing the thin blue line is other Leos finding themselves busy when you call for backup, a term called failing to back, which happened to Tyler on multiple occasions after she testified. At one point, Every single deputy in her sector went to dinner together without her in East Wenatchee while she patrolled alone west of Kashmir. Not exactly a speedy ability to back her up if needed. One year later, May of 2010, a civil case was brought against Burgess and the Custer County Sheriff's Office to compensate the survivors. The prosecution asked Tyler to testify 
in exchange for a cut of the settlement. Tyler declined. She wanted nothing to do with the civil case. She didn't want the money. However, the prosecution again knew they wouldn't have a case if she didn't testify this time because she had already testified in the criminal hearings. They decided they would subpoena her and compel Tyler to testify, which is exactly what happened. During the trial, the missing flashlight was magically found still in the evidence room at the Custer County Sheriff's Office. But by then, the DNA present on it had degraded so badly, it couldn't be positively identified, only that there were three separate sets of DNA on the flashlight. The civil case was won, and Tyler was not given a payout during that case. She had declined to testify, and so was only a supporting witness, and not named in the lawsuit herself. I have seen many rumors about this over the last few years saying that Jennifer Tyler is an opportunist looking for a payout. Sorry, kids, that's not the case. The fact right here is in 2010, she turned down what ended up being around $2 million for each of the survivors. And that proves that that's not true. November 2nd, 2010, Brian Burnett was elected the sheriff of Chelan County against Sheriff Harem. The same month, just a few short months after the civil lawsuit in Oklahoma concluded and she was forced to testify again, Deputy Jennifer Tyler was fired from the Chelan County Sheriff's Office. Sheriff Harem, as Burnett had not been sworn in yet, decided that Tyler had lied about how she had obtained an email from a supervisor during an argument and fired her for untruthfulness. The story here, two months prior, one of her supervisors sent an all squad email warning night shift deputies to have their reports done and submitted by 3 a.m. Tyler received that email, but not the one her supervisor had sent ahead of it to everyone but her, which told his deputies to disregard the next email. Believing her supervisor was putting her in a tenuous position, she told a fellow deputy she had accidentally deleted the email and he forwarded it to her. Tyler took it to her supervisors as proof of a pattern of exclusion and mistreatment. That's it. That's the lie. That's what she was fired for in 2010. Not the people who were actively discriminating against her, failing to back her, and harassing her, Tyler was the one fired. We're gonna start speeding up the timeline here and adding more perspectives and information. I just wanted to highlight some very important information that as yet has not been fully reported on in the Wenatchee Valley in its entirety, not like this. And that's a damn shame because the rumor mill around this disgraceful situation is frankly repugnant. It is to be noted that Brian Burnett is currently running for re-election and everything that happens next was under his watch, under his leadership, his administration at the CCSO. Over the next couple of years, Tyler works through arbitration with the intent to get her job back and restore her reputation. Harem, no longer sheriff, testifies in arbitration that Tyler's untruthfulness would not constitute Brady material, meaning that it wasn't actually something 
that would constitute a firing or having her name put on a Brady list. In 2011, Undersheriff John Wisemore signed a document that states all weapons are accounted for in the CCSO armory, including the military-grade weapons obtained through the Department of Defense's 1033 program. Some choice fully automatic M16s. At the end of that year, on December 20th, 2011, Grace City Church, then Grace Covenant Church, publicly operates out of a few churches in the area to begin planting their own. They upload their first videos to YouTube. Locally, they are unaffectionately referred to as Grace City Cult for their fetishization of weapons, toxic masculinity, misogyny, and bigotry. They reportedly started in the area around 2008 as the Free Methodist Church. The next year, in 2012, coincidentally, I'm sure, a fully automatic M16 goes missing from the CCSO armory. <gasps> Shock. It was reported as missing by the chief of patrol, who was in charge of the armory's inventory, Sergeant Mike Harris. This would be the first in a string of missing M16s spanning two adjacent counties. Over the next 10 years, at least half of the Chelan County Sheriff's Office, as well as other local Leos, including the Wenatchee PD, State Patrol, and more, will become members of Grace City Church. 2013, Deputy Aaron Shepard joins the CCSO and is a member of Grace City Church. This will be important later. March 2013, at the end of Deputy Tyler's arbitration, it was found that there was no just cause to fire her. Crazy. Early in May 2013, an M16 goes missing from the Grant County Sheriff's Office Armory, located in Afreda. The same month, another M16 goes missing from the East Wenatchee Police Department. That's three fully automatic M16 rifles missing from law enforcement armories in central Washington within one year. At the end of that month, Deputy Jennifer Tyler rejoins the CCSO after arbitration orders Sheriff Burnett to make her whole again, meaning restore everything she lost so she was at the same status as before. August 2013, after getting nowhere with his supervisors regarding the missing CCSO M16, Sergeant Harris opens an official investigation to find out what happened. December 2013, after months of shunning, mistreatment, and refusal to restore her original night shifts so she could be with her disabled daughter during the day, Deputy Jennifer Tyler files a lawsuit against the CCSO and against Sheriff Burnett's administration and Burnett himself, as he refused to make her whole by reinstating the shifts needed to properly care for her daughter, and therefore also made it so she was making less money. The lawsuit also specified that he and their peers mistreated her after her testimony that put away a convicted rapist who also happened to be a Leo in 2008. The same treatment worsened under Brian Burnett's leadership after she returned just seven months prior. This is an important point because Burnett and his campaign have said in the past that Tyler's lawsuit has nothing to do with them and only to do with harem. That's not true, something you might call an untruth. 
remember that pattern I mentioned earlier about a woman being hired under the CCSO after a female deputy sues them? Well, soon after announcing her intention to sue the Chelan County Sheriff's Office, Deputy Dunlap was hired. I have not reached out to Deputy Dunlap to confirm whether or not she had a good working experience at the CCSO. I want to make that clear. She did not in any way help with this timeline and is not associated with our reporting. She did not cross that thin blue line. I just wanted to point out the clear pattern of behavior from the CCSO. Soon after, at the beginning of 2014, Mike Morrison, current candidate running against Burnett for sheriff, was forced to be Deputy Tyler's patrol partner, as no one wanted to do it. Also around that time, under Sheriff John Wisemore, the man who had originally signed that all weapons were accounted for in 2011 at the CCSO Armory, is asked by arbiters of the 1033 program, what happened to the M16? He told them that it was destroyed as non-functional, an assertion with zero proof, witnesses, or documentation, something you might call an untruth. In January of 2014, Sergeant Mike Harris, the chief of patrol for the CCSO, investigated John Wisemore's claim and confirmed with logs and the gun range that there was zero evidence that the M16 had been destroyed or even marked as non-functional. The consequence for losing a weapon from the 1033 program is suspension from that program. It is important to note that this is the program which provides local LEO agencies the ability to request military-grade weapons, vehicles, and armor at little to no cost to the department. Harris finished his report nearly two years after the gun went missing and five months after opening the report. He returned it to the U.S. Department of Defense, understanding that by being honest, the CCSO would lose this program. One month later, Sergeant Mike Harris is accused by Under Sheriff Wisemore of being untruthful in obtaining drugs from the county to conduct a drug training course, of which Harris was an instructor for the CCSO. He also owned his own outside drug training business. During a meeting between Wisemore, Sheriff Burnett, and Harris, they asserted he was obtaining the drugs to use in his own personal drug training business, not for CCSO training, which was against policy. This was never proven. Burnett and Wisemore informed Harris they thought he was lying. They thought he was lying and gave him two choices. He could be demoted from sergeant to deputy and removed from the chief of patrol, aka the person in charge of the armory, to keep his job. Or he could resign and keep his rank. One week later, February 26, 2014, Harris took the demotion and resigned as the chief of patrol in order to keep his job, effective March 1st. Though there was no internal investigation nor an official determination made, Sheriff Burnett places Deputy Mike Harris on the CCSO's personal Brady list. We discussed the Brady list earlier. 
but it is important to reiterate. It is a list that is not required to adhere to any regulatory standards and is considered arbitrary. But the local prosecutors in Chelan County take it into account when considering testimony from Leos. This list calls the credibility of anyone on it into question were they ever to testify in court for any reason. This status was publicly reported on in local newspapers defaming Harris. At some point in 2014, several months after Deputy Tyler announced her lawsuit against him, Sheriff Burnett also placed her on the Brady list for her untruthfulness in 2010, four years prior regarding the receipt of that email, the same reason she was fired for, cleared of, and former Sheriff Harem even stated that it was not Brady material. Both names are still on that list today, eight years later. In June that same year, just a few months later, there was a gathering of deputies at a party. Deputy Carl Moans handed his personal firearm, a 380 semi-automatic, to Deputy Lee Risden, who had also been consuming alcohol, according to Chelan County Sheriff's records. Risden then took the gun, got down on the ground, put it into the swimming pool during a party, and fired. Eight to ten people gathered around and cheered. Deputy Dan McHugh was also in the crowd, allowing and encouraging this behavior. All three were not formally reprimanded until one year later after the incident was made public. The three deputies disputed their reprimands. Both Moan and McHugh would be given the Sheriff Burnett Beyond the Badge Award for 2015. September 9th, 2014, under Sheriff Wisemore, repeats the unfounded misinformation after Harris's report was concluded and turned over to the DOD that the M16 lost by the CCSO was probably destroyed to the local newspapers. Again, something you might consider an untruth. It's to be noted at this point that Wisemore is not on the Brady list. Two months later, in November 2014, nine months after Harris took the demotion to stay employed with the CCSO, and less than a year after his report to the DOD lost the CCSO of the 1033 program, Sheriff Burnett's administration begins alleging untruthfulness against Harris for his violations of supposed overtime policy. At that time, an official internal investigation was launched. That same month, having successfully called into question the credibility of the man who reported the M16 missing from his armory and the only big public failure on his part yet, Brian Burnett is re-elected as sheriff for a second term. The next year, in 2015, after having patrolled with Deputy Jennifer Tyler, Mike Morrison requested to partner with her again. He did not shun her as others would have liked and saw her as an asset to the department, based on working closely with her personally. In January of 2015, two months after the official investigation into Deputy Harris's quote untruthfulness, 
one year after turning in his report into the DOD, confirming that the missing fully automatic M16 was not found to have been destroyed or non-functional, Harris is put on administrative leave. Gasp! Shock! The next month in February 2015, a Loudermill hearing. Remember this? Where you get a chance to defend yourself against the reason for termination as a public employee? Was conducted for Harris. The last step before said termination. March 20th, 2015, at a final Loudermill, the internal process determined that Harris violated policies. Let me be clear here. As I've read some transcripts from some other local Loudermills, it is not a court of law. And even if proof is brought forward that completely clears the person under investigation, the sheriff has the ability to terminate them anyway. It is completely subject to the sheriff's purview, Sheriff Burnett's purview specifically in this instance. March 31st, 2015, 11 days after the Loudermill and barely a year after his honest report about the missing M16 that lost the CCSO of the 1033 program, former Sergeant Harris is terminated. Gasp! Shock! Former Sergeant Harris took the termination to arbitration where he successfully proved his innocence and they found no just cause to fire him. He was reinstated as a deputy still without his sergeant rank in February 2016, less than a year later. Meanwhile, June 17th, 2015, Grace City Church buys several plots of land in the affluent Sunny Slope neighborhood in Wenatchee to plant their church and pays $765,000 at that time. Over the next six years, they'll purchase a couple of more plots for around $270,000 that are adjacent. On August 17th, 2015, two months later, Sergeant Zimmerman and Deputy Musgrove filed a formal complaint against Deputy Jennifer Tyler, stating that she did not say hi to them or return a greeting. Now, it's really interesting because Sergeant Zimmerman was Jennifer Tyler's supervisor who didn't send her the email back five years previous. Musgrove specifically said that Tyler issued a, quote, look of disgust at Zimmerman after constant comments and sexual harassment from her peers, talking about how she looked, her butt, and any aspect of her body they felt like for years. And under three different sheriffs, these two Leos thought that because she didn't acknowledge them or didn't like how she looked at them, was worthy of a formal complaint. It is to be noted that Deputy Adam Musgrove was the number one complainant against Deputy Tyler and filed the most formal complaints against her since her return to the CCSO. Despite never having worked directly with her, at the beginning of 2016 and four months after those complaints, Mike Morrison, who had been Tyler's partner in the past two years and current candidate for sheriff of Chelan County, was blocked from requesting Jennifer Tyler as a partner due to some new canine policy. Tyler was reassigned to Aaron Shepard, a canine handler who was also a Gray City Church attendee at the time. However, Later the same year, Deputy Shepard decided to leave Grace City Church. It is to be noted that up until this point, 
Deputy Shepard had been given awards and good reviews from his supervisors, who also attend Grace City Church. In March of 2016, Detective Carlos Rodriguez of the Chelan County Sheriff's Office negligently hits and kills his own canine partner, Reefer. The next week, March 10th through the 17th of 2016, Under Sheriff Matthews fails to tell the whole truth and intentionally misleads the public by saying Reefer was hit by an SUV, not including that he was hit by his own partner and detective of the CCSO. Matthews even writes an email to Sheriff Burnett letting him know that he did it on purpose because he, quote, didn't want to give them Carlos's name. On March 23rd, the same month, sporting no formal suspension from the program, and only two weeks after killing his own canine partner, Detective Rodriguez reapplies to be a canine handler and failed to disclose on the application that he was the one responsible for Reefer's death, merely stating that he graduated with his canine Reefer and they were, quote, certified as a team until his death, March 2016. At the beginning of April, after many people from the community began raising money for a new canine to replace Reefer, Sheriff Burnett receives an email complaint from the public after they find out it was not just some random SUV, but the CCSO detective himself who negligently killed his canine partner. They complained specifically, saying they felt intentionally misled by Under Sheriff Matthews. It is to be noted that Matthews is not on the CCSO Brady list. You see where I'm getting here? On May 17th, 2016, Sheriff Brian Burnett is added to a list of elected officials deemed extremist by the Southern Poverty Law Center. The Southern Poverty Law Center specifically monitors hate groups and other extremists throughout the United States and exposes their activities to the public, the media, and law enforcement. June 1st, 2016, former Sergeant Deputy Mike Harris returns to work at the CCSO, and directly after reinstatement, he was reportedly mistreated under Burnett's administration. They refused to issue him a weapon. They gave him a poorly fitted protective vest, which is extremely dangerous, and assigned him faulty Patrol vehicles, also dangerous. Two weeks later, Sheriff Brian Burnett attends in uniform and acting directly in his capacity as sheriff to protest the Wenatchee School District's policy change allowing transgender children to use the bathroom that aligns with their gender identity. A policy, I might add, that was being made in order to be compliant with state law. So let me be clear here. Sheriff Brian Burnett showed up in an official capacity to protest, sign a petition, and speak to the school board in order to discriminate against transgender children and urge the Wenatchee School Board to break the law and risk a lawsuit that would lose taxpayer money. He asked the school board to consider the Pledge of Allegiance and specifically the phrase, under God which was only added in the 1950s. It turns out, you know, later that he doesn't really care too much for the losing of taxpayer money, and you'll start hearing about that soon. Six months after reinstatement and dealing with retaliatory behavior, Deputy Harris received the top overall traffic award at the Night of a Thousand Stars 
ceremony on December 16th, 2016. It is to be noted that the CCSO does not control this program, and it is a regional award ceremony and based on statistics. The next year, on February 15th, 2017, Deputy Adam Musgrove, harassing complainant of Jennifer Tyler, is given the internal CCSO Brian Burnett's Beyond the Badge Award. On April 11th, 2017, after the escalating retaliatory treatment from his peers and specifically from the Burnett administration, former Sergeant Deputy Mike Harris filed a lawsuit against Burnett and the CCSO for wrongful firing, retaliation, defamation, and more. At the beginning of August in 2017, Deputy Aaron Shepard was selected as a, quote, top performer for Region 12 in the Click It or Ticket campaign, another external award, and for some reason, harassing complainant Deputy Adam Musgrove is promoted to sergeant. On August 12th, 2017, in Charlottesville, Virginia, after the Unite the Right white supremacist rally was broken up because of clashes between white supremacists and other counter-protesters, a man deliberately drives his Dodge Charger into a crowd of the anti-racist counter-protesters, killing one 32-year-old woman and injuring more than 19 others. You might be wondering why I would bring that up. Well, it's directly relevant to what happens next. On September 11th, 2017, one month after the deadly and deliberate killing of counter-protesters in Charlottesville by a vehicle, Cheyenne County Sheriff employee, who has yet to be officially named, shared a post from the Chelan County Emergency Management Facebook page, generally reserved for emergency information, with a picture of protesters being hit by a car with the tagline, all lives splatter. Nobody cares about your protest. Keep your ass out of the road. This employee was not terminated or in any way officially disciplined. Sheriff Burnett merely issued an official apology to the public and protected the employee's name. It's important to point out here that all lives splatter is obviously a euphemistic play on words for all lives matter which is the racist version of Black Lives Matter. So not only is this employee making fun of the death of an anti-racist protester, but in a racist way as well. Six days later, September 17th, 2017, Sheriff Burnett, a faithful member of Grace City Church, appears in a GCC Leo Marriage Retreat promotional video featuring local PD, state patrol, and other Leos. The retreat is held the next month in November 2017. January 2018, another internal investigation is launched into Tyler, claiming that she had been, quote, untruthful. This was never proven. It is to be noted that Tyler's lawsuit is going to court around this time and that it is again campaign season for Sheriff Burnett. Because during his last campaign season, it is to be noted that he made direct overtures to defame Sergeant Mike Harris, who cost him the 1033 program. Just a few months later, March 7th, 2018, Tyler wins her lawsuit against Burnett and the CCSO for retaliation. The award was $500,000 in damages and $450,000 for the attorney fees. $950,000 of taxpayer money specifically because of Burnett and his leadership and her treatment 
by her peers who all retaliated against her, proven in the court of law. One day later, March 8th, 2018, Sheriff Burnett, in an official capacity, publicly disagrees with the judgment awarding Tyler $500,000, who was still on staff and working as deputy at the CCSO on a local news radio KPQ in Wenatchee. Let me be even more clear there. He spoke publicly about his opinion on a court case that he lost against a then current employee, publicly besmirching her. After all, it was election season, don't forget. And he'd just lost $950,000 of taxpayer money. So he had to do something to alleviate his own reputation. Why not dump it on the survivor of sexual assault who had been re-traumatized and treated poorly by you, your deputies, and your administration? That sounds like something an ethical and integrity-minded person would do, right? Can you imagine getting just a little bit of justice, some validation of everything you've experienced since being forced to testify against your abuser and hoping things might turn around? Getting to feel vindicated for one day and then having your boss tell everyone that he disagreed with the judicial system. Anyway, later that month, Gray City Church breaks ground on their nearly $10 million church project, advertising that it will be a, quote, community center for everyone. I mean, except the gays, of course, can't have those or the liberals or the transes or anyone who believes differently than they do. A few weeks later, in June 2018, Deputy Aaron Shepard, Jennifer Tyler's partner at this point, and a little over a year after leaving Grace City Church, is harassed in a messaging app for breaking his toe so badly the doctors considered placing a steel rod in it. It wasn't thought of as a manly injury. No, Deputy Seabright and others thought he should just walk it off. This app is used for official business, is known to the CCSO supervisors and the Burnett administration, but is not technically an official use because then it would be subject to FOIA. The name of the chat was called CCSO WPD SWAT for official SWAT communication. Over the summer of 2018, having missed the deadline to register for the election, Deputy Jennifer Tyler begins running as a write-in against Brian Burnett for Sheriff of Sherland County. In August of 2018, Deputy Tyler wins the write-in spot and is officially on the ballot for the 2018 general election as a candidate for Chelan County Sheriff. The next month, September 2018, Deputy Brian Lewis is hired. This will be important later. In October, Deputy Tyler objects to a union non-departmental email to other union members against Sergeant Adam Musgrove's nomination for union vice president based on past harassment by him. It is to be noted that Musgrove, before that email went out, had already turned down the nomination. November 6, 2018, Deputy Tyler loses the election to Burnett, but managed to get 35% of the vote, despite being very late to the campaign trail. Two days later, November 8, 2018, under Sheriff Matthews, still not on the Brady list for misleading the public about Canine Reefer's demise, by the way, sends out an email to everyone at the CCSO encouraging everyone to move forward together and also tell everyone that they take every complaint seriously, unless you're Deputy Aaron Shepard. That will come up later. Understanding the assignment, several deputies levied complaints against Deputy Tyler, including 
Sergeant Musgrove. December 2018, one month after the election, just a few weeks after that email, Deputy Jennifer Tyler is placed on administrative leave after five complaints were levied against her by fellow deputies, four in one day, with the fifth coming in soon after, all from past irritations some years previous. One of those complaints was that she allegedly made fun of Corporal John Wisemore. Remember him? The guy who is also not on the Brady list for saying that the missing M16 was destroyed, even though there was no proof? Tyler compared him to a vagina. That was the actual word that was used and is in the official documents surrounding the complaint. Hilarious. I mean, when your leadership does nothing to control a culture of name-calling, sexual harassment, discrimination, and you yourself are objectified on the regular, it's pretty easy to assume that it's acceptable behavior, right? Especially when your peers are not disciplined for it. However, we know now that under Sheriff Brian Burnett, there are different rules for different people, right? I'd say that's been pretty well established both anecdotally and legally through lawsuits at this point. But there's more. And I know at this point, we're already almost an hour into this detailed, and I mean very detailed timeline, but we've got still an hour left to go. So you are amazing for sticking through it. And if you continue to listen, I really appreciate because I know that Sheriff Brian Burnett specifically talks about how people are levying half-truths against him, realizing that in order to detail the entire truth, it could be nearly a two-hour event. So thank you for sticking in, and here we go. After being placed on leave, Deputy Tyler files another lawsuit this time a federal one for retaliation, discrimination, harassment, and negligence in the workplace. Shock! Gasp! Who could have predicted that? Only literally anyone paying attention. Two months later, in February 2019, Sheriff Brian Burnett announced Grace City Church's head pastor Josh McPherson's son to be chief for a day. He would get to give the commencement speech at Apple Blossom the next month, a large festival in Wenatchee. In June 2019, Deputy Tyler is officially suspended for her comments in a non-departmental email regarding Sergeant Musgrove, who said Tyler's email cost him the VP union position, as well as harmed his reputation, a position he had already been documented as turning down before Tyler's email, and proven in her subsequent Loudermills. But we know that at this point, this wasn't actually about that. On August 31st, 2019, Deputy Jennifer Tyler is officially terminated. Again! Gasp! Shock! The Deputy Sheriff's Association filed an unfair labor practice complaint against Chelan County directly after because it was proven during the Loudermill process that no harm was done to Musgrove's reputation through a non-departmental email that was separate from the Chelan County Sheriff's Office and that it sent a very specific message to the union that union business could get you fired if the sheriff didn't like what you had to say. A very bad precedent to set that could scare people from being honest and directly affect how their union functioned. But uh, ethics and integrity, am I right? On September 30th, 2019, the CCSO celebrated Corporal John Wisemore's retirement from the department 
He was still not listed as a Brady cop after misleading the public and the Department of Defense with unconfirmed information and was allowed to retire with his full rank shock gasp. November 1st, 2019, Deputy Brian Lewis, hired barely a year earlier by the CCSO, tells Deputy Shepard, Jennifer Tyler's former partner, to choke himself and provide a picture in the same application used for official SWAT communication, but it is not departmentally approved. The comment receives multiple likes from his peers. The next month, in December 2019, Deputy Brian Lewis makes borderline racist comments in that same application about a, quote, burrito joint that Deputy Shepard had shared a picture of while he and his wife were on their honeymoon, also calling the country they were visiting communist. He also appears to be calling Deputy Shepard himself a treasonous douchebag. Soon after the same month, he returned from his honeymoon. Deputy Shepard attended a SWAT training, only to be bullied by his peers and supervisors, using his wife's maiden name as his in a derogatory manner during roll call. I say derogatory because, as we know in toxic masculinity, using a woman's maiden name would obviously make you less than a man. He was even told prior to the firearms portion of the training that he was, quote, going to fail the qualifications anyway. Shepard left that training after reporting the harassment and bullying to his supervisors, and nothing was done. Shock. Gasp. He was later suspended from the SWAT team for an internal investigation while continuing to withstand that harassment. Shock. Gasp. One month after directly harassing Deputy Shepard in January 2020, Deputy Brian Lewis is recognized for, quote, overall traffic enforcement at the 2019 LE Traffic Safety Awards. January 29th, 2020, the Chelan County Commissioners, despite evidence to the contrary, choose to uphold Sheriff Brian Burnett's decision to fire Jennifer Tyler. Tyler moves the case to arbitration, which she wins again because she easily proved the retaliatory treatment. After February 2020, and only a few months after directly being named as having harassed Deputy Shepard, Deputy Brian Lewis was promoted to sergeant, less than two years after starting with the CCSO. March 2020, one month later, at an overnight SWAT training event, and as Deputy Shepard's new supervisor, Sergeant Brian Lewis grabbed and shoved Shepard when he could not clearly communicate to him. Shepard wrote that Lewis's aggressive behavior was unprofessional, as that was Shepard's first explosive breach training, and he couldn't understand what Lewis wanted him to do. That sure sounds like the failure of leadership, and not the failure to understand. Perhaps because he was not actually experienced enough to handle the command position. Between March and April 2020, Deputy Shepard reported his complaints about Sergeant Lewis to the then Chief of Patrol, Rick Johnson, detailing the behavior since December. Nothing resulted from this conversation. Nothing. But, you know, they take every complaint seriously, right? Wrong. March 21st, 2020, Deputy Brent Frank is officially hired on by the CCSO after completing one year of probationary work and is soon after promoted to Sergeant after only one year with the CCSO. April 2020, Deputy Shepard wears sunglasses to a SWAT group meeting during an overnight training and was called Elton John by his peers 
and in front of witnesses, including his supervisors, Sergeant Lewis and Foreman. Foreman then reportedly said, and it begins. Of course, we know that being called Elton John is offensive in toxic masculinity because Elton John is a famously known gay man. And you can't be gay, right? Because that's a bad thing. The same month, Sergeant Adam Musgrove, the one that had a heavy hand in Deputy Jennifer Tyler's termination, as it was his complaint that determined her firing, is promoted by Sheriff Brenna to Chief of Patrol. You remember Chief of Patrol is the one that's in charge of the armory. Less than one year after helping terminate Tyler to start July 1st, 2020. At the same time, it is announced that previous Chief of Patrol, Rick Johnson, who did nothing after Deputy Shepard complained about his treatment, was announced to become the appointed East Wenatchee Chief of Police. In May of 2020, Sheriff Brian Burnett appears in pictures taken inside the local Wenatchee Bepo building, owned by Jeff Kerpuis, who is affiliated with a war-fetishizing local militia and other local far-right commissioners, city council members, the head of Grace City Church, Josh McPherson, their finance pastor, as well as two GOP chairmen as they discuss suing Washington State Governor Jay Inslee over the emergency orders due to a worldwide pandemic. A lawsuit they would lose. May 13th, 2020, Sheriff Burnett and Pastor Josh McPherson appeared together in official capacities as local leaders representing our community, our community that is a lot more diverse than two Sichette white Grace City Church worshiping men. Interviewed by Dave Bernstein, also an attendee of Grace City Church Functions. This interview was promoted on the CCSO Facebook page. On May 24th, GCC released a video to their YouTube channel called Is Patriotism Good for the World? May 29th, 2020. Deputy Shepard publicly expressed frustration on his Facebook page at the lack of training for some Leos that resulted in the excessive use of force that ended George Floyd's life, shaming Derek Chauvin and Leos like him who are responsible for needless civilian deaths. It is to be noted that Deputy Shepard is a use of force trainer trained in de-escalation and martial arts. May 31st, 2020, GCC releases a video called Jesus and Your Storm, where they talk about how sometimes obedience to Jesus will sometimes lead you into a storm because Satan is reigning over the world. On end of this deal, right? Jesus said, hey, follow me. You're going to lose your life, by the way, but it'll be better in the end. But, but it might get rough on the, on the way. This is just two months into the COVID pandemic. The next month, June 2020, guns are confirmed on security at Grace City Church during a children's theater production. GCC happily advertises that half of their armed, quote, sheep dogs are active duty Leos. June 7th, 2020, Wenatchee has a Black Lives Matter protest where armed militiamen stop the protesters with rifles. And after the protest is over, some follow protesters all the way back to their homes. It is also to be noted that the coordinator of the Black Lives Matter protest Someone who happens to be Black herself was delivered many death threats, including to her personal home of residence and to her parents. 
after consistently listening to Grace City Church pastors say that COVID is just a tool to control you, and the precautions are violations of rights and being a party to a lawsuit against Governor Jay Inslee for the emergency orders just one month before. Sheriff Burnett says his agency won't enforce the mask mandate. June 24th, 2020. Effectively choosing not to enforce a specific law he disagrees with. Instead of representing his constituency in its entirety, he chose to represent his chosen few in something that serves him and his church, Grace City. Turning his personal, political position into a matter of the enforcement of law, which could be considered dereliction of duty. Two months later, the day before a Wenatchee school board meeting, Pastor Kerry McPherson from GCC texted parishioners, and it was reported by a local right-wing teacher to an anti-masking Facebook group. He wanted them all to show up to the August 24th, 2020 Wenatchee School Board meeting, directly misleading them and stating that there would be a discussion of CRT, comprehensive sex ed, and other experimental theories on our children. He also stated that he would be out of town or he would show up himself in riot gear, intentionally misleading and riling up these people. It is to be noted that those topics were not listed on the agenda that was made up by Carrie McPherson in order to direct rage in the form of easily manipulated Grace City Church attendees at the school board, who was following and enforcing the mask mandate during a worldwide pandemic. The next day, August 24th, 2020, an unmasked crowd descends on the school board meeting, their refusal to mask and one man's shouting aggressively while approaching the school board forced them to move to a remote meeting. Most of the unmasked, gullible attendees were Grace City Church patrons and followers of GCC. It is important to note that several members of this crowd do not live in the affected school district and have no children in the affected school district and even said as much at the meeting. They showed up as part of a coordinated effort to leverage the weight of their religious, police-backed organization to influence public school policy. Public school policy, not Christian private school policy. During that meeting, law enforcement was called twice to respond to the unmasked and hostile crowd. No one came. Let me repeat that. Because Sheriff Brian Burnett had said he would not be enforcing the mask mandate, no one, not a single police officer, Wenatchee Police Department included, showed up to protect the Wenatchee School Board when they felt threatened. Soon after, in September, GCC released a pamphlet called Nine Critical Lenses to Help See COVID More Clearly, encouraging people to continue to gather in large groups despite the state of emergency orders. They then released a video the next month in October called When the State Becomes God. The month after that, in November, they released a video called Do Not Conform. This is of special consequence. Multiple members, even more than half of CCSO, attend GCC, where the rhetoric is explicitly anti-government and encourages flouting the law to support your own political agendas. November 2020, Shepard answered a call of a COVID death. CCSO did not have a policy, even after eight months of a worldwide pandemic, 
and the state of emergency in place for how deputies should handle a COVID death, as typically they were supposed to go in and document in writing and with pictures. He was advised by a colleague and the coroner not to go inside because it was a COVID death. He spoke to the supervisor, Sergeant Brent Frank, let him know what the others said, and Frank told him he needed to get pictures to investigate. When he arrived, other emergency services and paramedics made it clear they would not re-enter and gave him protective equipment to obtain the pictures. When he was finished and he reported back to Frank, he was orally reprimanded for going into the home to take the photos that Frank himself had told him to get. And the incident came up in his yearly evaluation, despite there being no formal policy. Uh, words have meaning, right? Like words mean stuff. We are nearly caught up today, I promise, but the flagrant abuse of power continues. I really appreciate you sticking with me because in order to actually report on more than, quote, half-truths that Sheriff Brian Burnett continues to say is all that people are saying, it actually requires more than a five-minute interview. So. 30 minutes left. I appreciate that you're still here. The first month of that year, January 25th, 2021, nearly one year into the pandemic, the Chelan County Commissioners award a juvenile jail counseling contract to who? You guessed it. Grace City Church. GCC is now getting taxpayer money, $1,300 a month for this contract. That's $15,600 per year. This happens to be one year after the commissioners upheld Burnett's decision to fire Deputy Tyler just a few short months before their decision is overturned. February 2021, a year and a half after termination by Brian Burnett for the second time, and one year after Chelan County Commissioners upheld his decision, a Public Relations Employment Commission, PERC, ruled in favor of Tyler's discrimination complaint this was the conclusion of the decision in January 2020, where the Chelan County Commissioners upheld Burnett's decision to fire Tyler, and she subsequently filed for arbitration. This is a separate determination from the federal lawsuit she filed after the retaliatory discrimination when she was put on leave in January 2019, before she was terminated the following August. That's still coming. This perk ruling would have made it so she could have been reinstated or at least rehired by the CCSO. However, instead of that, Sheriff Burnett's administration had Jennifer Tyler sign a non-disclosure agreement. And in exchange for her not reapplying with the CCSO, she would be paid another $500,000 in the form of five years wages over the next five years, ending in 2026. This was just uncovered by a local intrepid reporter's FOIA request recently. This was not told to me during my interview with Jennifer Tyler. So to be clear, she did not violate her NDA. The links are in the sources in case you're keeping track at home. The taxpayers have now paid $1.5 on behalf of Sheriff Burnett's misconduct so far. Again, this is separate from the pending federal lawsuit, which is pending for 2022. The same month, in March 2021, Grace City Church hosts regional law enforcement training for LEOs across the state, where the church leaders handed out gift baskets that included gift cards and wine. Sergeant Brent Frank, you remember him? 
he's uh the one that just formally reprimanded deputy shepherd despite there being no actual policy about around covid deaths starts off this three-day regional training by going over a brief agenda for the weekend and then introduces gcc pastor josh mcpherson for a pep talk that included anti-government messaging at this time pastor josh mcpherson also focused on the laws passed in the wake of the George Floyd protests, which are perceived by many Leos to hamstring their abilities to do their job. I use that word intentionally because it's the word used by local law enforcement to describe how they feel impotent rather than adaptively develop intentional policies to be more impactful. And it's specifically important because it's well before the CCSO or the WPD start repeating the same information about it hamstringing them or their anti-government rhetoric. After McPherson finished with his anti-government propaganda speech, he prays over the 50-plus attendees, at which time Sergeant Chris Foreman, you remember him? One of Deputy Shepard's many harassers at this point, is loudly participating in crying. Another GCC-affiliated Wenatchee PD officer, Justin Kissel, took the mic after the prayer and invited everyone to their church's men's group that would be meeting in the mornings before training started. Justin Kissel is now Grace City Church's head of security and is no longer working for the Wenatchee PD. This is only one instance in GCC's continued recruitment of LEOs and elected officials. At the end of 2021, GCC releases a video called Cultural Marxism and Critical Race Theory, How a Toxic Ideology is Changing the World You Live In. This is important, not only because they had duped their parishioners into trying to bully the Wenatchee School Board with this same ideology, but also because they had duped several people into running for the Wenatchee School Board. In June of 2021, the last of five two-day trainings starting in February held at GCC. During one of the five trainings, GCC pastor Josh McPherson says he likes playing the bad guy for the trainings. Turns out he and other GCC civilians have been participating in the training in various roles, as well as observing the tactics used to apprehend criminals. This is particularly of interest since when we asked whether this training could be live streamed, or otherwise scrutinized by the public for transparency, we were told they don't want to give away their tactics to the public. Apparently, GCC pastors and staff are considered part of the law enforcement in-group and not, therefore, the public at large. July 4th, 2021, GCC releases video called What to Do When Freedom is Running on Fumes, referring, of course, to their perceived oppression and the pandemic, which kills nearly 200 people in our county, thousands in our state, and 6.5 million people worldwide over the last two years. The next day, July 5th, Sergeant Brian Lewis, who has been harassing Deputy Shepard for over a year now, formally reprimands Shepard for allegedly violating the civil rights of a man he arrested. Shepard reached out to current candidate for District Judge Alan Blackman who, as the Chelan County Deputy Prosecuting Attorney, told him not to worry about it because he did not believe Shepard violated the rights of the suspect. District Court Judge Kyle Mott found probable cause in the allegation, 
despite Blackman's assurances and forwarded the charges to the prosecutor's office. On July 8, 2021, the State Employment Commission ruled that Chelan County discriminated against Jennifer Tyler by wrongfully suspending her after she criticized a co-worker, Sergeant Adam Musgrove, who was harassing her with constant complaints despite never working directly with her, who was then nominated for a union position, meaning she could move forward with her lawsuit. July 20th, 2021, after being an attendee of the militant Grace City Church for years, listening to their sermons about exercising their freedoms despite state-mandated laws, Sheriff Burnett signs and issues a public notice that he will stand up for the constitutional right to bear arms. This was in response to gun control bills making their way through the Washington state legislature. Six days later, GCC releases a new video called Jesus Says Take Off the Mask during a pandemic while there were still mask mandates in place. August 2nd, 2021, Burnett hosts a town hall at Grace City Church to inform local citizens how, quote, new legislation will, quote, impact Leo's ability to protect the community, specifically repeating similar rhetoric from Grace City Church. It was two hours of whining fear-mongering, misinformation, and anti-government rhetoric still available to view on the CCSO Facebook page if you're interested. Presenting speakers were Sheriff Brian Burnett himself, who clearly gave his political opinions and made it clear he was speaking on behalf of the entire CCSO, Sergeant Brent Frank, who formally reprimanded Deputy Aaron Shepard, despite not having a COVID policy in place, Sergeant Adam Musgrove, who was harassing Deputy Tyler with complaints and successfully helped to terminate her, and Sergeant McHugh, who was reprimanded for being involved with the gun in the pool seven years previous. All were directly presented as subject matter experts for the community. Around the same time, one month after Sergeant Lewis formally reprimanded Deputy Shepard and continued his harassment, Shepard was passed over for a promotion he applied for as a qualified defensive training use of force instructor. You remember how a year previous he actually went to bat for and posted about how people needed to be trained properly in use of force so that people didn't end up dead like George Floyd? Well, Sergeant Lewis went so far as to write an official letter to the administration to prevent Shepard from even getting an interview. So let me be clear there. Sergeant Lewis specifically thought someone like Shepard, who believed that it was important to have detailed training in use of force to prevent deaths like George Floyd, should not even get an interview with the Chelan County Sheriff's Office for use of force training. After making a formal complaint to his union leaders about it, under Sheriff Jason Matthews, emailed the leaders to confirm that Shepard was allowed to interview. So Shepard showed up in full uniform for the interview, only to be turned away at the door, saying the process had already been concluded. Can you imagine that kind of humiliation? The Chelan County Sheriff's Office wasn't even going to pretend to interview him. August 21st, 
2021, GCC starts offering religious exemptions for the COVID vaccine, even though vaccines are not against the Christian religion. So what religion exactly are they using to create exemptions? Or are they admitting that they practice a unique version of Christianity? Like GCC head pastor Josh McPherson's friends, the Davidians, who reportedly defend slavery and marital rape. August 29th, 2021, Shepard submits a formal complaint stating that he had exhausted all remedies by taking these issues to immediate supervisors and using his chain of command. He specifically says in the complaint that he was subjected to harassment from Lewis, Foreman, and other peers because he left Grace City Church and refused to shun Deputy Jennifer Tyler. Shepard asked his union representative, Detective Paul Nelson, to file a grievance against the CCSO and Lewis specifically. August 31st, 2021, Grace City Church releases their permission to protest video on YouTube. The same month, head pastor Josh McPherson publishes a 72-page manifesto. In it, he lays out his role in a 2020 lawsuit involving 40-plus individuals who got together to legally challenge our governor's overreaching powers during the COVID-19 pandemic. One of those individuals was Sheriff Brian Burnett, I will remind you. It's the first of three lengthy documents McPherson has authored, pushing back against public health protocols and state mandates designed to limit the spread of a virus that has killed millions of people globally. September 1st, 2021, the day after the permission to protest video is released, and the month after McPherson's 72-page manifesto, Sheriff Burnett pulls all resource officers from Cascade, Kashmir, Chelan, and Manson school districts, stating that the COVID vaccine requirement was an infringement on the deputy's rights, even though COVID was reportedly the number one cause of death for Leos nationally. This definitely seems to prove a pattern of compliance with GCC's teachings that directly affects his ability to lead the Chelan County Sheriff's Office. September 15th, 2021, GCC pastor Josh McPherson appears as a guest on the Christ Church podcast, Cross Politic, out of Moscow, Idaho. McPherson came on the show to talk about his manifesto he had released the month before. Christ Church, known colloquially to locals of Moscow as Mother Kirk, is an extremist Calvinist sect led by Douglas Wilson. Wilson has received international attention for his defense of slavery. He has also dismissed the idea of marital rape. A man can't trespass in his own garden, he infamously wrote on the topic. He has also gone to bat for sexual predators and is listed as a guest lecturer in Grace City Church's Vector Academy marketing booklet. The Academy that admittedly likes to use the right kind of indoctrination. The same month of September 2021, Sheriff Brian Burnett shows up in a picture for GCC's Anchored Youth Camp on Grace City Church's website. This picture is important because they are all holding up a problematic symbol that has been linked with white supremacy, and as sheriff, he should have known that. November 2021, Sergeant Chris Foreman, who has been harassing Deputy Shepard, is promoted to Chief of Special Operations at the CCSO, despite having a registered complaint against him for harassment, a complaint that has yet to be responded to 
even after three months. November 3rd, 2021, Burnett returns resource officers to schools two months after saying that the vaccine mandates the requirement to work in schools as an official employee infringed on his deputies' rights, and he pulled them from specific school districts, not all of them. November 8th, 2021, Justin Kissel, the former Wenatchee PD officer and now head of security and tactics for Grace City Church, is featured in a GCC video with rifles and gun training. Perfectly normal things for a church to be doing. January 2nd, 2022, results of a 2020 survey of the sworn personnel of the CCSO were made public by a local investigative journalist. They reveal a deeply divided agency under nearly 12 years of Sheriff Brian Burnett's leadership, where half of the sworn personnel would not recommend working for the CCSO, and that promotions go to members of GCC over those who do not attend the church and is a hostile work environment for anyone who does not attend GCC. One person even stated that the, quote, God Squad has a firm grip on what direction the department is heading. Concerns over lack of integrity about people on the promotion list are repeated by many personnel. Gasp! Shock! January 6, 2022, Sergeant Harris receives $425,000 in a judgment against CCSO as a settlement for retaliation. He was also reinstated at the same rank that had been taken from him and allowed to retire effective November 1st, 2021. In return, he dropped his lawsuit, which probably would have had the same result and cost taxpayers a lot more. It also would have gone to trial near the 2022 election. That means that the $425,000 was the cheapest way for Sheriff Brian Burnett to resolve his retaliation, in that he would have admittedly lost the lawsuit which is why there was a settlement. So, if you're still keeping count, that is $2 million of taxpayer money that Brian Burnett himself has lost the CCSO because of his proven misconduct, retaliation, and multiple wrongful terminations, not to mention the still-missing fully automatic M16. February 22nd, 2022, six months after the formal complaint, and after one of his harassers during the time of the complaint was promoted, the HR manager for the CCSO responded to Deputy Aaron Shepard's complaint, stating that no policies were violated, but that it raised valid concerns on how members of the agency communicated with one another. Are you kidding? Yet people like Deputy Tyler and Sergeant Harris can be fired for much less than documented and repeated harassment. I mean, people like Musgrove were complaining that Tyler didn't say hi back and a perceived look of disgust. Six days later, February 28th, GCC releases a video called Jesus and Politics. In April 2022, unsurprisingly, a month after receiving the determination from CCSO that his harassers had done nothing wrong in their eyes, Deputy Aaron Shepard leaves the CCSO and takes a position with Wenatchee PD. The federal lawsuit against Brian Burnett and Chelan County by Jennifer Tyler had been scheduled for April 2022, but someone must have realized that would have looked 
really bad going into another election for Sheriff Brian Burnett. So it was conveniently moved to after the election. It is now upcoming next month in November 2022 after the election. Okay, we're in the home stretch now, y'all, so stay with me. April 17th, 2022, GCC baptizes a child without their parents' consent and without the child's understanding of what was happening at their Jesus Ain't Fair Easter celebration. They also gathered the child's contact information without the parents' consent. It is to be noted the child did not want to be baptized, but didn't know how to say no. May 2022, it's reported that Sheriff Burnett went and spoke in uniform at GCC's unaccredited Vector Academy, where they like to use the right kind of indoctrination to teach about the Bible after they baptized a child without the parent's consent. They also like to talk about critical race theory and battling cultural Marxism. That same month on May 10th, 2022, citing again, basically how impotent they were without explaining the actual law, the CCSO posts publicly on their Facebook page attempting to make fun of addiction and shaming two people who had passed out in their car. At the end of that month, Deputy Mike Morrison, Jen Tyler's past partner, publicly calls out Sheriff Burnett's favoritism, absolute lack of ethics and integrity, and signs up to run for sheriff in the 2022 election. June 7th, 2022, regional law enforcement training is held at Grace City Church again. June 17th to the 19th, GCC holds their Stronger Man Conference and Vector Academy graduation. The advertisement for the Stronger Man Conference was a skin-crawling war fetishization. June 29th, 2022, after the GCC training and direct messaging from the CCSO in the town hall less than a year before, and the messaging from GCC pastors at the regional trainings held at GCC around how impotent police are because of new legislation, Captain Reinfeld of the Wenatchee PD holds a situational awareness training for the Chamber of Commerce and downtown business owners. He uses a lot of anti-government and anti-Olympia rhetoric and encourages the business owners to, quote, vote different, implying they should vote Republican in order to deal with the, quote, homelessness and drug situation, saying the laws passed by, quote, Olympia have, quote, hamstrung the department. And if you were to find a, quote, ball of heroin on someone, he would have to, quote, let them walk, directly misleading the public as to the requirements for drug encounters, which includes two referrals to drug treatment centers before arrest for personal amounts of drugs. Not that you just let them walk. July 15th, 2022, Sheriff Burnett begins releasing a series of absurd propaganda videos produced by Killing Robots, LLC one of the owners of which was on staff at GCC for their in-house videography, where he states he doesn't even want to be sheriff. The most recent release says, don't believe the lies. What lies exactly? Well, apparently, just a few minimal disgruntled employees that have no reason to actually be upset. Shock, gasp, and every factual item that has been detailed today. September 6th, 2022, Deputy Seabright, one of the deputies who deliberately harassed Aaron Shepard about his broken toe, makes a phone call to follow up on a trespassing complaint of a Chelan County resident and rants to the caller about the new laws handed down by Olympia regarding drugs and, quote, homeless people. 
Seabright continued using a lot of overall anti-government language, stating if he found someone with a, quote, ball of heroin. Gosh, that sure is a very specific phrase. He would have to let them walk and encourage this citizen to, quote, vote different, which they took to mean to vote for Republicans. It's to be noted that Seabright was not at the Situational Awareness Meeting, June 29th. It is also to be noted that no drugs were referenced during the trespassing complaint, and the perpetrator was assumed to be homeless, but no drugs were even involved. September 16th through the 17th, 2022, Sheriff Burnett attends the Reawaken America Tour that features alt-right extremist speakers like Matt Shea, the My Pillow Guy, and others who promote the conspiracy that the 2020 election was fraudulent, though there has been zero proof. Burnett also consented to be interviewed by Matt Shea for his podcast that uses terminology like pedo Hitler in reference to the current president of the United States, Joe Biden. September 18th, one day later, Burnett's campaign released a post on Facebook asking, did you catch us at Fiesta Mexicana's? Well, the answer is no because they weren't there. They also included a stock picture of a traditional Mexican dancing girl, an 11-year-old picture from the Wenatchee world, and also an unironic quote from the Bible, calling those who justify wicked actions and condemn the just abominations. When myself and others called him out for misleading the public, an untruth, you might call it, I was told by Sheriff Burnett's campaign manager, Drew Zabrocki, to stop digging because there wasn't a story there. So, of course, that means I had to dig deep. I'm not generally a fan of mediocre cis white men telling me what to do. I'll be using a lot of this information in my short, I promise, opinion video next regarding who I'm going to vote for for Chelan County Sheriff. Though at this point, it may already be obvious because not only has Sheriff Brian Burnett lost $2 million in taxpayer money so far to lawsuits that could have been avoided if, in my opinion, he had acted ethically or been a good leader, but he also pretty obviously promoted less qualified candidates over others because they were a part of his God squad. It's really no wonder that the entire CCSO is split over his leadership, despite what his cherry-picked testimonials might have you believe. Half are being treated great because they are on his good side and go to Grace City Church, being spoon-fed militant, anti-government, and bigoted propaganda, while the other half are deliberately being sabotaged in their careers. That's fucked up. Anywho, thanks for sticking with me. I know this was a long one, and I hope it was also informative. If you want to see the entire 13-page timeline I put together, check out the sources. As always, I'm not perfect, so if I've gotten something wrong or inaccurate, please send me an email with your sources and I'll make the correction. If you like the video and want to support what we're trying to do here at Progressive Devilry, then please think about joining our Patreon or check out our merch shop. Let's make progress. Hit that subscribe button to stay updated with us. And any sources we've used in today's episode are below or are available on our website at progressivedevilry.com.